Hi, I'm Jay Robinson and you're listening to the NL Full-Time Podcast. Welcome to this week's NL Full-Time Podcast. I'm Luke Edwards, here as always to look over the National League results from the weekend. And joining me for the first time in a couple of weeks, it's Rob Worrell. Hello, Rob. Yeah, hi Luke. Good to be back. Uh, and, and a great weekend to be uh, reviewing the National League. Some topsy-turvy results there this weekend, wasn't it? Oh, indeed, yeah. And uh, there's only one place to start, really. Now, I know you said it a few weeks ago, Rob, in terms of Winchesterfield drawing all those games. I think you said last time you were on the pod properly that you said the next sort of result that isn't a draw for Chesterfield will determine, one, Martin Allen's future, and two, how they'll progress. Well, they didn't get a draw yesterday. They didn't lose, but they won. They beat Salford, and that was a massive result for them. And can that catapult them up, not maybe into the playoffs, but certainly give them a strong finish of the season? Well, it's staggering that they're down there. You know, I think everybody thinks oh, that they'll put a couple of games, a couple of wins together soon. But it's ridiculous that it went on for 19 games, and then it's the beautiful poetry of football, the unknown, isn't it? The fact that they, the team that hasn't won in 19 comes up against the team that. Has haven't lost in 20. It's the biggest uh, of the season, isn't it? But no, it isn't. Chesterfield go and win it. And not just 1-0. They, they, they doubled it as well, didn't they, to get a second. So we doff our caps to Chesterfield, finally ending Salford's long unbeaten run. And no shame in there, of course, for, for Salford. When you just stand back and look at the names and just say the names of those two teams, it doesn't sound like a shock, does it? Chesterfield 2, Salford 0. No, but with the run they've been on, I mean... Chesterfield, I think it's the best, as well as the worst run they've ever been on. It's also the best run they've been on. So now, technically, it's, it is the best run. And um, Martin Allen. No, they're unbeaten in 10. Yeah. They're unbeaten in 10 games in the league. And that, like I said, you know, illustrating that point perfectly, Luke, the fact that uh, he can't be sacked, can he? They're unbeaten in 10. <laughs> well, the, the big thing for them is to push on now. He did say that he played with a lot of passion. So. He'll be wanting to be. He'll be wanting them to be more consistent, and they have got the squad and the players. And I noticed though a lot of the uh, the players that we saw when they played all the shot earlier on in the season either aren't in the squad or they've been loaned out now. So maybe he's trying to bring in his own style now and his own players, and it's maybe taking a bit longer than he expected. Yeah, I mean, lots lots of incoming lately. Um, I keep a track of all the player moves in and out of the National League, and. Uh, you know, so recently they brought in Kyle Alex Kawami, who got the two goals yesterday. Jordan Hallam on loan from Sheffield United, and Jake Bennett as well till the end of the season. Um, he's unforgiving, isn't he? You know, he's um, if 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 you're not cutting it and you and you don't do it consistently, then you're out. And I guess it, one thing you can't accuse Martin Allen of uh, is not trying something different because uh, he hasn't. Maybe he's maybe he's hit on something now. Let's see. Let's see how the next couple of results are but well done to them also to be fair well done to Salford uh, in this league for the first time and I know they've got lots of resource and investment but uh, unbeaten in 20 matches what a magnificent run that's uh, not far short of half a season is it Luke? No a fantastic run for them and Chesterfield that win has lifted them out of the relegation zone uh, the two points clear of that now above Dover and we'll get on to Dover's results shortly because it was a day of surprises really in terms of results the early kick-off in the National League was Leighton Orient travelling to Bournemouth who aren't having as good a season as last season and Leighton Orient who were flying, not lost away from home all season uh, until Saturday uh, when an Illisanri goal meant that Bournemouth took all three points. Yeah, it was. Must, I, I saw bits and pieces of that match uh, in in preparation for or prior to the uh, 
to the game that I was at. And uh, I don't think there's any doubt. I mean, full credit to Borenwood, as you say, Orient, top of the league, hadn't lost away from home all season. And that is another run we have to applaud today. Um, but uh, I, I, I missed the goal. And when I checked to see who it was, I thought, Femi in the family. Well, he's a good left back, but uh, I think that's the first goal he scored this season. An unfamiliar name on the score sheet. But uh, he w- they wouldn't have been too worried about that. Um, all the highlights I saw, I saw saw the Borenwood keeper in good form and Orient having countless chances to score. But it's just one of those days when it wouldn't it wouldn't go in for them. And uh, yeah, so really tough, isn't it, to find the team of the day or the result of the day? Because you've really got to take at least three into account: one being Chesterfield, two being Borenwood, and then the third one. I think we're going to come to it now anyway. Dover Athletic. Um, on a really nice run now four wins from the last mm. six but coming from behind to a Danny Rowe goal to beat AFC Fylde uh, who we know are very very mean on the road defensively um, that was a great result yeah, goals t- for in, in, in the Ethion yeah and the last one coming in the very last minute and do you think Dover will be this season Solihull I mean they were down there only Braintree were below them but they've, they've picked up a remarkable uh, like you say a remarkable run they're on now four games unbeaten and uh, they're only two points behind Chesterfield and teams like Aldershot Bromley haven't will be looking over the shoulder now at Dover yeah I mean you look at the experience of the manager Andy Hessenthaler he knows this league inside out he got Eastley on a nice little unbeaten run before he left there. If you look at the stats site I use, looking at the results, you know, there's a whole host of red against Dover right through the first, uh, you know, 16, 17 games of the season. And you look at it now and uh, it's all green and yellow. It's, uh, you know, it's wins and draws now. And uh, he's brought in some players who know this league well and performed at this league. Bobby Joe Taylor, Jai Reason, uh, Lee Worgan uh, in goal and... Um, you know, George uh, Smith has come in as well on a six-month loan. Uh, Ryan Huckle from Gillingham. So uh, he he knows the league. He knows the players. Uh, he knows that part of the world, part of the country as well. And you know, it's really really worrying times for for, for those mid-table teams that are out of form at the minute. And yet, I know who one of them is. Luke, I've mentioned them every time. We'll come to them in due course. Mm-hmm. But well done, Dover. Well done, Borenwood. Well done, Chesterfield. Fantastic results this weekend. Yeah, and the two teams. So the two teams who um, took advantage of that on Saturday were Wrexham. They had a two-nil home win over Eastleigh, and Harrogate, where you went yesterday, Robin. You had a, a fun day of it, despite the result, didn't you? Yeah, it was. I really, really enjoyed the visit. Just quickly, just finishing off on the Wrexham game. Obviously, for them, really important having lost their manager to get back to winning ways, and that's a fair old scalp right now. Beating Eastleigh two 0 yesterday. That's uh, that's their first defeat in eight games. Eastleigh, so they they've been a, on a good run under Ben Strevens. Uh, Bobby Grant is coming on loan from Fleetwood. Got his first goal for Wrexham yesterday as well. But yeah, moving on to Harrogate. Thoroughly enjoyed the visit. You know, football. You know, kind of team allegiance, scoreline, etc. Aside. What a thoroughly impressive club. What a friendly welcome. Uh, progressing on the pitch, progressing off the pitch. Was absolutely delighted to catch up with Simon Weaver. As you'll hear from the little clip we're going to play in a minute, I didn't think I'd have time to catch him off. It was great to catch up with uh, Hal Boxall again, uh, the media manager at Harrogate. I'd met him on a couple of occasions before, including the FA Trophy game down at St Albans uh, last season. And, I, you know, he must be pinching himself right now. I asked him pretty much that exact question when I caught up with him before the game. So for the NL full-time podcast, I'm, I'm a little bit excited today. Probably not 
because of the treat that's in store, which is probably watching just how good Harrogate Town are, but uh, the fact that I've, I've come to what is a new ground for me, the CNG Stadium, home of Harrogate Town. Uh, my first visit here, Aldershot Town's first visit here, and one of the things you, that, that strikes you at sort of half past 12 is the amount of activity at the club already, the, the, the training sessions and the games going on on the pitch. Uh, somebody who's uh, been around the club for a part of that rise is uh, Harrogate Town media manager Hal Boxall. Nice to see you again, Hal. How are you doing? Good, thank you. How about yourself? Really, really good. And, you know, one of the things, you must have had a few hopes and ambitions for this season, but if anybody had told you back at the kickoff at the beginning of August that um, coming up towards Christmas you'd be sat in third place, would, would you have thought you were, you were dreaming? I would have thought they were a little bit crazy, to be honest with you. I think we've got a really ambitious setup here, but including the players, the management team and all the off-field staff, but... Like you say, third third is a dream. Um, you look back to the day in May when we beat Brackley here, a lot of people were saying first season in the National League, consolidate anything above relegation would be a success. So to be third, it's, it's just dreamland, really. I was impressed with my first look at Harrogate in the flesh uh, back in August. I think uh, I think you went pretty much close to the top of the league that day. You had a really good start, an unbeaten start, and very few teams have got the better of you this season. Obviously, Salford and Orient spring to mind. I guess it's really those two clubs that you really see as your major rivals. If 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 things were to go really well and you and you push for the big one. Yeah, it looks like those two are going to be up there. I think Orient were expected to be up there from the start of the season, as were Salford. Myself personally, I wasn't overly convinced Salford could challenge as well as they have done, but credit to them they've been up there so far I think they've, they've got a little bit of a breathing space now between those two teams and, and everyone below them ourselves Wrexham and Solil are all tied on 43 points at the moment I think we've had a only a, a few defeats this season one of them coming at Solil on Tuesday night so I'll be hoping that we can bounce back today and maybe make up a little bit of ground on those top two and one question I've got to ask you with Salford and Harrogate sat in the top three is that really just a sign of how well both clubs have progressed invested or, or is it possibly a sign that the National League North is a much stronger league than it's given credit for I think a bit of both really Harrogate and Salford they both did really well last year in the National League North of course but it wasn't without slip ups I remember Salford losing to Ferriby late on in the season or, or dropping points there at least and they of course went down and another interesting thing I saw the other day was the attendance table in the National League North and I think the majority of clubs were averaging over a thousand fans which is incredible at the, the sixth tier of English football you've got your former football league giants like Stockport in there and, and Chorley flying high which is always a tough place to go so it'll be interesting to see who comes up from that league this year and how they get on next year and, and, and one indication of just how strong it is is the fact that club as big as Stockport County with the resources that Stockport County got um, you know three and a half four thousand crowds regularly that they're sitting in mid-table yeah exactly they're playing against teams like Leamington who are classed as really a smaller club and you've got York City on our doorstep really who, who were giants compared to us and now we're in a higher division and we're seen as huge favourites for our clash next week in the trophy so it's amazing how things can change but I think having them clubs like that at the sixth level of, of English football is good because you get your smaller teams like your Leamingtons able to attract bigger crowds and, and grow as a club as a result of that. I grabbed Simon Weaver before the game and this is what he had to say then. I'm very kindly joined prior to the match against Aldershot by Harrogate manager Simon Weaver. Simon, it's our third chat for the podcast. 
things were going pretty well when we spoke yep. at the end of August. You had a good start and, and you've maintained it. You've set some standards and uh, I know you're always quick to pick up on those players if they drop below them. Yeah, that's what I thought. Um, it's been a, an excellent start to the season, approaching Christmas to to actually uh, thought of ourselves as, a, as possible contenders uh, for that top spot. Uh, approaching Christmas, you know, would have snapped snapped your hands off, you know, if uh, if that had been um, suggested that it could it could happen, and it has happened. However, you know, we're on the back of a, a disappointing performance and result at Solihull in midweek, and and now we're um, we're looking for a reaction from the players. Difficult animal, difficult animal to uh, to come up against. I know you move, you will have moved on from that now, but Solihull Moors very clear in the way they're playing and it's not the easiest to set up against no 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 and you've got to give credit sometimes to the opposition um, as poor as we were I thought they were excellent and did, they implemented their game plan from our perspective we're disappointed that we helped to enable that to happen and um, and we didn't at all see our spark uh, and uh, our game plan would just you know was ripped to pieces what we've got to do is learn from it though we've got a, a bunch of young players and um, when we don't you know, hit the front early and, and actually work the territory. You know, to be able to gain that space in midfield for our good, you know, really gifted uh, footballers to get on the ball. We've got to then look at other areas. You know, the pitch. You know, maybe splitting the back earlier um, and actually managing it out on the park um, in vital moments to get back into the game and to really hurt the opposition. And I know you'll respect uh, Gary Waddock and his Aldershot Town team. A little surprised to see them where they are in the table. Yeah, yeah. Well. Definitely, but the manager won't change. He's a quality guy and a quality manager, but his personnel has changed. You know, he's had, um, you know, he had a very, very strong team last season. They've lost a few players. Um, a few players have come into it. They got injured. A couple of lone players have returned uh, to their parent club. So, you know, I feel for him from that perspective. But obviously, um, today we've got to be ruthless and and, and make sure that yeah, they're a bit. We're a bit wounded from the other night, but then more so because yeah. um, th- they've not really clicked into gear yet but we can't have sympathy until we have a pint after I'm afraid yeah. in this game because I'll be getting in the neck if, if, <laughs> if you know by the arrogant fans if we don't win today well a little unusual to talk to you pre-match but I really appreciate it for the rest of the season thank you cheers Simon so that was that was Simon Weaver the Harrogate manager and Rob caught up with him pre-match and he was pretty happy afterwards wasn't he eventually uh, he was he was I mean he and his team were shell-shocked Make no mistake, you, unless you've sort of seen a report of the game or highlights or you were there, you wouldn't know this. It probably looked a fairly routine result, that didn't Harrogate forward shot one, the way things have been going for both clubs this season. But my goodness me, a heavily depleted Aldershot Town team attacked that game with more character than I have seen all season. Uh, Aldershot uh, kind of got a bit of a reputation for physically not being that big or strong. They're not the tallest aside and you know, they like to play football. Well, they came out yesterday and absolutely flew into every tackle. Thankfully, there was a lenient referee uh, at the time. But um, Harrogate didn't know what had hit them for half an hour. And Aldershot took a deserved lead. Uh, Jerry McDonough is coming in from, from Barnsley, played his part in that. And Luke Wanadio put the ball into the box for Adam McDonald to fire home his fifth goal of the season. Uh, it was very, very different from Aldershot Town, a real show of character, and uh, it did take Harrogate most of the first half to get to grips with it. They got uh, an equaliser in the first half through Burrell, his first goal in 48 games for, for Town, um, and then uh, they really got their composure together, and they and, and, and whilst they didn't probably out-football Aldershot yesterday, they outgunned them with some uh, brilliant set pieces, and uh, 
Uh, that man Burrell, believe it or not, weighed in with two more headers in the second half. He got on the end of a corner, got on the end of a, a free kick, and then the top scorer, Jack Muldoon, um, poached his tenth uh, goal of the season towards the end, which gave Harrogate a little bit of a flattering scoreline. But fair play to them; uh, they turned things around, they kept the composure, and uh, and they keep themselves uh, right on track in the promotion hunt. Yeah, and after the game. Rob caught up with the Harrogate manager again. He managed to grab him on the way out. It's Simon Weaver. All right, we knew it would be a real wash, but I'm quickly joined by Simon Weaver after the game. Only fair to let you have another word. <laughs> Funny old game, Simon, wasn't it? Mm. Particularly in that first half. Aldershot Town, their approach to the game was very physical and robust, which is not an Aldershot Town thing to do. Um, they got the lead, but you kept your composure and you fought your way back in. What's your overall reaction today? Yeah, I thought it was going to be a real um, problematic day the first 20 minutes. They, they, they closed us down very quickly. Um, their organisation was good as you'd expect with uh, Gary Waddock as the manager and uh, they were slick on the counter-attack so <laughs> on this pitch as well you can fully take advantage of that and they, they, they were looking like you know a real threat to us today especially at 1-0 up but I've, I thought um, despite a nervy it was without doubt a nervy and quiet uh, um, opening spell um, we bottomed out you know when they, when they scored and we started passing the ball and, and that's actually that's that's us when we're at our best, even when it's tight, even when play, people are, are closing us down. We've got to be brave enough to implement the game plan and and, um, uh, and the lads were terrific from there on in. I thought the last hour of the game we were superb. And which part of the game plan was it, Simon, where your centre-back who hasn't scored a goal all season stuck a hat-trick in? <laughs> you know, we threw him up yesterday in set-pieces, uh, yeah. what we do every Friday, and um, and normally it's just going to go up and send out standing halfway. <laughs> so it's probably my fault that I haven't sent him up before. Yeah. Um, we need his pace and recovery, you know, as a team. Um, he's immense for us uh, at the back. Um, but uh, to attack the balls in, in the box like he did today is it's another big string to his bow. So, um, top notch. And I know you're ahead of expectations. It's almost a, it's almost like a free hit this season and you're loving it, you're embracing it, you're enjoying it. Orient and Salford were just pulling away and they've both lost today and you've won so you've packed them back in it's a it's a fantastic day for you yeah it's been a great a a great day at the office and um, you know the lads are now on their Christmas too so I fully expect them to take advantage of the Monday off and enjoy this weekend Brilliant. Thank you very much, Simon. But pleasure as always. Right, well please. done. And that was Simon Weaver. He'll be wanting royalties. He's been on this podcast that often now, hasn't he? But uh, no, he was um, he was chuffed to bits with that, Rob. And even you sounded surprised asking Simon Weaver the question about all the shots approach to it, because like you said, they're not they're not physical. And did he sort of maybe is that something now that Gary Waddock's thinking? Well, the only way we're going to get out of this is maybe to be a bit more direct and physical. I think they're going to have to man up, if that's the phrase you like to use, for sure. I think there was also a real collective responsibility amongst the players yesterday, and that's amongst the players that are left. They've got, it always sounds a bit cliched in football, oh, injury problems. The injury problems at Aldershot Town right now are way beyond even what happened to them last year, which were huge. Um, they, 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 if the game had been on Thursday night, Gary would have had eight players. Some of those that started were patched up. There was only three on the bench. Matt McClure received a, an injection in his shoulder to be available. Carly Osborne. He's only just back to, to, to recover him from, an, uh, from his 10-week injury. He's got absolutely no mat, match fitness. He was on the bench too. Um, and they lost two more players in the game, Luke. Uh, Adam McDonnell has been their best player. Uh, he'll be out for a few weeks now. And possibly Marvin McCoy as well. So, um, you know, it was a tough one for Aldershot yesterday because they really approached that game with huge determination. But it was the old undoing, the set-piece goals, and uh, you know you 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 can't 
you can't uh, brush over that, can you? Not when the side scores four set these goals against you. No, and like you say, with the injury problems and, and all the shot we know aren't financially flushed at the minute, that Gary Waddock's spinning a few plates at the minute, Rob, isn't he? It's looking really, really, really difficult for them. And, uh, you know, he'll leave no stone unturned, Gary, unturned, Gary in, in, in terms of, uh, you know, to, to, to find the bodies if he can from somewhere. If they do come in, they'll have to come in on loan. All the shop can't afford to give anybody else a, a contract even till the end of the season. It'll have to be playing a, a small proportion of a loan fee, uh, which is what I presume they're doing with uh, Jerry McDonough. He, by the way, was an absolute handful for Harrogate in that first half an hour, particularly. He's big and strong. He's only 20 years old. Uh, I don't think he's going to be a prolific goal scorer, but he was a real focal point for Aldershot Town. And uh, He's not just a big lump either. He uh, he managed to sort of turn and power away from his defender two or three times. So uh, that's one little bright spot for, for Aldershot, but not to not to um, harp on about them all the time. Harrogate, great club, well on track, absolute free hit for them this season, and they are flying. Yeah, Aldershot only four points above the relegation zone now. Haven't a Waterlooville there breathing down Aldershot's necks now? They after a slow start to season, they've picked up there on a good run of farm now they beat Braintree by two goals to one another two goals for Alfie, Alfie Rutherford but interestingly after the game Lee Bradbury in his interview didn't rule out leaving the club he's been linked with a vacant Hartlepool United job and uh, he didn't exactly brush it under the carpet put it that way Rob a quite interesting development that yeah sounds like that might be uh, you know developments underway there perhaps box clever with his answer it's, a, it, it's an odd one you wouldn't expect a manager to go from haven't to Hartlepool would you um, you know pretty much one end mm. of the country to the other he may feel he's he, he's uh, doing the absolute done the absolute best he can with having. Obviously, I know he suffered a relegation early on in his uh, tenure there, but uh, two two successive promotions since. And uh, yeah, they're doing all right, aren't they? Um, I guess from from Bradbury's point of view, if he is going to move on, then the closer they are to mid table rather than a relegation scrap, the better for them. But uh, what about that man, Alfie Rutherford? Uh, I, I had a little top up before I came on uh, to speak with you, Luke, and that's now eight goals in seven games for Alfie Rutherford. Um, that's uh, that's top top format. Yeah, it's golden boot form. I don't think even Macaulay Bond and Danny Rowe have managed that so far this season, despite being up there in the scoring charts. Maidstone, they've um, well, Harry Wheeler's been uh, living up to his name this week. He has been a Wheeler dealer, hasn't he? He's brought in, most notably as well, amongst others, Jake Robinson, a friend of the podcast. It was more, hi, I'm Jake Robinson, I'm here now at Maidstone United this week, and um, he's, he's rocked up to join up with Harry Wheeler, but their fortunes didn't change, unfortunately. They lost uh, by a goal to nil up at Barrow, and it leaves them in the relegation zone. Yeah, it does. I, you know... It, it's another one not for the want of trying. I thought decent work in progress when I saw Maidstone play two or three games into uh, Harry Wheeler's tenure there. And um, I thought they might be all right. But uh, no matter, seemingly, I think you said to me in our WhatsApp group yesterday, it doesn't matter who he signs. It doesn't seem to make any difference. But one thing you've got to take into account there with uh, that result, um, uh, Barrow. I mean, they've been mentioned in dispatches, haven't they, in terms of... Um, you know, possible some people's possible you know favourites for relegation, but uh, they now are up to uh, 12th place, 31 points from 24 games, and Tyler Smith with his 11th goal of the season. They're in pretty tidy form, aren't they, under Ian Ever? Yeah, they've picked up. Um, they've picked up in the last few weeks, and like I say, Tyler Smith's having a really good 
season. Ian Everett said it's his first season in men's football and, he, and he's taking to it like a duck to water and he, he certainly looks as though he's got a bright future ahead of him. Hartlepool United, um, they got a good win um, under caretaker manager Craig Hignett. Josh Hawks scored down at Maidenhead United. And Maidenhead United, who are down in the relegation zone, uh, they had James Conley sent off, so it's not looking good for them either. Um, they're just above Braintree in the table. Other notable results as well. Ebsleet, they managed to pick up another home win through uh, Danny Kedwell. They beat Barnet by a goal to nil. Sutton and Solihull Moors, two surprise teams of the season, although Sutton maybe not as much this year, but uh, a 2-2 draw for them and uh, two goals for, for Jamie Osborne. And they're kind of the, the two teams, Rob, that... He, you know, keep punching above their weight and um, it's no surprise that they couldn't be separated in the end. No, that's right. Solihull Moors uh, really have backed up their early so- uh, season form with some decent draws and wins against some of the fancied sides in the league. Jamie Osborne's been getting rave reviews all season. He's starting to get the goals to go with that as well. They've just lost one game in 14 now, Solihull Moors. So, a terrific terrific first half of the season for them and uh, Sutton well they seem eternally stuck in kind of 8th place don't they 8th ninth place this season they, they can't quite get it going to the level that they did last year um, they've now drawn 4 of their last 5 matches Luke and I know they've had a postponement or so along the way but uh, they haven't actually won Sutton since the 3rd of November interesting yeah I didn't know that Rob I mean it's, so it's not it's not great form, really. They're normally a team sort of, if they lose one, they usually bounce back and win a couple, don't they? Or pick up a, a point here and there. And they tend to bloody the noses of the bigger teams. But like you say, um, to go without a win in a month is very un-Paul Doswell-like, isn't it? It is, really. Um, but what they have done during that month, uh, it's their third consecutive uh, two-all draw, actually. They're always good for a two-all, aren't they, Sutton? Um, but it's a no, it's it's more points coming from behind again, or another point coming from behind. I I looked when I saw it go from two one um, to Solihull back to two all. I I literally clicked on it yesterday, expecting it to be the obligatory Jamie Collins late penalty to get a point. <laughs> um, uh, one two three four five six two all draws, six Desmonds this season. Funny, Desmond 2-2 uh, Funny you mentioned Desmond 2-2 because I saw a tweet yesterday and the word Sutton appears in Desmond 2-2's name so there you go how ironic Wow that's very clever you've been doing your anagrams now in, in your search for a pun haven't you <laughs> no, I, Do you know what though I thought of you because I know you like to call it a Desmond and, and it was ironic that somebody actually put that on there and I thought Rob will love that so there we go uh, Oh, nice one. Just to finish off with the National League Premier mm. as well, um, Dagenham now unbeaten in five, Luke. Uh, they got a one-all against Halifax, who are not the best travellers, uh, but you never underestimate a point on the road, do you? Uh, especially with 10 men. Win, especially with 10 men. That's a good point. Well made, Luke. Um, and just one win in 15 now for Halifax. So, uh, difficult times for them. They're sitting just uh, kind of akin with all the shot in that table, and uh, they'll both be looking alarmingly over their shoulders with their recent form uh, and the side that continues to sneak a little bit under the radar but they're nicely tucked in 7th place uh, a solid 2-0 home win for Gateshead and Luke Armstrong uh, back among the 
Let's go. Yeah, and that rounds up the National League for this week. So we'll move on now and look at the National League North. Hi, I'm Adam Summerton. You're listening to the NL Full Time Podcast. Chris can't be with us again this week, but he has given us his thoughts on the National League North. And here it is now. Goals, sendings off, rain and wind were the order of the day in the National League North this afternoon. No more so than at the Horsewall Stadium, where Bradford Park Avenue took on Southport. Bradford Park Avenue, obviously the leaders of the National League North, probably the prize leaders of the National League North at this stage of the season went up against the team who were nine matches unbeaten and the result a two-all draw and so Southport extend their unbeaten run to ten matches as I said it was tough weather conditions at the horse fall but the point leaves Southport one point above the relegation zone Southport's recent resurgence it was underlined with Player of the Month and captain their midfielder David Morgan and also Manager of the Month Liam Watson. At the right end of the table, Bradford Park Avenue stay at the summit with that point that they earned at home this afternoon. Next up, Darlington took on Nuneaton at home and Nuneaton turned out two one winners in that game with new manager Jimmy Ginelli steering them to their first league win since the 29th of September not least their first away league win since the 1st of September at Curzon Ashton Jimmy Ginelli well known to people in the Evo Stick Premier Division through through his eight years at Barwell admitted that Darlington were possibly the better team in that game but they had the luck of the draw and then ended up winning 2-1 with goals from Ryan Edmonds and Dion Angus to pick up their point and put them four points off safety four points off Southport in the National League North monsoon conditions greeted the teams at the Impact Arena for Alfreton versus Spennymoor mid-table Alfreton winning in midweek at Ashton United but the score in this game ended was a monsoon of goals for Spennymoor as they won 7-1 with a Glentail hat-trick Sean Tooton, well known to Derbyshire fans from his spells, particularly at Buxton, also got on the score sheet in that game and Jason Ainsley hailed a fantastic achievement by his players. It was the worst ever home league defeat for Alfreton Town. Since losing Tom Denson to Chesterfield, Alfreton have struggled to regroup really and find a replacement for him and at the minute they're lingering in 13th position. One, one place above them in the league table, the Stockport County who took on Chester today at Edgley Park in front of a crowd of over 3,700. There was an electric atmosphere inside Edgeley Park but it was Chester who took the lead um, through Asante. Hat-trick hero last week got on the end of a fantastic corner at the far post and volleyed home. Stockport County got into the game just before half-time when Sam Walker converted a penalty after what Bernard Morley thought at the end of the game was possibly a dubious penalty decision. It leaves Chester in fourth place in the league and Stockport County in twelfth. And I spoke to Chester joint boss Bernard Morley at the end of the game. I'm joined by Bernard Morley on the NL Full Time podcast. Bernard, you happy with that point or do you think you should have gone on got the three? Yeah, if you'd have asked me before the game, I'd have took a took a point all day long. But after obviously reflection after the game I feel like it was a miles better side on the day. Um, I just said it in the interview previous to, to the Chester that I feel like we've been robbed today not cheated it's the wrong word to use uh, it's not something we ever use but I feel like we were robbed today um, the penalty come out of nothing he's given him ball when clearly the kid wasn't even looking at the ball 
and, and obviously second half the, the players handled the ball in the box and said it was too close it could have gone either way he said well either way why has it not gone our way um, surely you've got to give us the benefit of doubt and, and, I, and I know there's, there's sort of that old saying that the ref will always look to even it up I think he had the perfect opportunity today to, to, to give us a penalty and he hasn't done um, and, 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 that, and we have to swallow that um, but we're not going to call anyone cheats or anything like that because that's not some, that's not what we are but I feel can't, can't if I'm honest with you I feel really really disappointed with the officials today Overall the season do you feel you're part of that title race this season? We, we, we don't talk about promotion we don't talk about winning leagues we, we talk about being in and around the playoffs which we always said we were me and Jono don't like consolidation I don't think we're ever going to be the type of manager that will go to a team and, and agree to go and take them over and consolidate whether that be mid-table or whatever it means we, we, we're ambitious we're, we're aggressive with how we manage we, we, we're exciting we, we want to win things that's what we are um, it's hard to take that out of, out of us and, 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 and when we come to Chester we only have ever one, one, one idea in our mind and that was to get them back into to the conference however long that took was, was the next thing but at the minute I think with the club and what's been going on in the past it's just a case of sort of steadying the ship at the minute um, and, and maybe they might sort of be panicking a little bit when they see us third in the league and pushing towards that top spot but we're happy where we are um, I wouldn't say we're off the radar but we're up amongst it signs respect who we are and what we're doing at the minute and, and, and always come to Chester or wherever we go away they always know they're going to be in a tough game and that's that's what we're about that's what we set up to be uh, we set up to we want respect off the opposition um, and, and I feel we get that at the minute Talking about you and John o, that's now 401 games 401 league games I believe I think he tweeted out earlier in the week it was 400 last weekend you can't played well you can't managed in much better atmosphere than today No I just touched on that with the lads and, and, and I said it didn't feel like we was managing in the conference north today it felt like a Champions League night at Anfield or something like that I know that's a, a bit extraordinary to come out with that but it did feel like that the atmosphere from both supporters was immense uh, credit to both football clubs for the support it makes these lads work that little bit harder and, and sort of appreciate the support and, and hopefully they see that in the performances and the work rate you don't always get the performance you want as a supporter but if you can see that work rate and that desire and determination which they've seen from both sets of players today uh, you go away a happy supporter uh, we all want to win don't we I don't think anyone will accept losing but unbelievable day unbelievable day and, and I'm really disappointed to, to go away with a point cheers man and that was Bernard Morley ruining his side's look, particularly some refereeing decisions there that he wasn't too happy about. Altrincham go up to third in the table after winning their fourth league game in a row against Telford. Telford have now lost two in a row. It was goals from Josh Hancock, former hatter Connor Hampson and Josh Hancock with his second as well in that game. Towards the end of it, did the business for for Altrincham Telford just slipping down those playoff positions at the moment had a goal from uh, Dominic Udo on 25 minutes and that goal at the time was an equaliser other scores today Blythe Spartans 2 Ashton United 0 a goal from Sean Reid and the Evergreen Evergreen's a good word at this time of year but the Evergreen Robert Dale got the second in that goal f- in that game for Blythe Spartans Boston United beat York City 2-0 goals from Nic- Nicholas Walker and Gavin Allett FC United beat Curzon Ashton 2-0 Curzon Ashton who had Mo Ali sent off after 67 minutes but that was already after the Nash were two goals down in that game and that was Mark Bradshaw's first game for for Curzon Ashton he felt it was tough to take today he said there were lessons learned time for reflection and to focus on future games two Ashley Chambers goals sent Kidderminster Harry home with three points so that was the Housewives favourite Chris Pratt with his, his National League North roundup and 
Rob, I think the one result that stood out <laughs> above all was spending more. Not only did they score seven, but is away from home against a Billy Heath side who normally are really well organised. And I think that sent a few shockwaves through the league. Yeah, they, I think you can track their loss of form, Alfreton, very much to the minute Tom, Tom Denton left that place, didn't they? I mean, Billy Heath loves him. He signed him again. He, he managed him at Halifax, signed him again, but uh, obviously lost him to... Uh, to Chesterfield uh, it'll be interesting to see how things develop there going on through the season but yeah fantastic result for Spennymore no doubt about the team of the day in the National League North and it was interesting in your interview earlier on with Hal, Hal Boxall that basically the point was made about the National League North being a really strong league and I think that just I think this season just bears it out Sam Elliott made the point last week if you put a team in from League 2 he doesn't think they'd be at the top of the National League North. So when you see York fans and Stockport fans getting frustrated because obviously they've got bigger crowds and a bigger budget, it's not that simple. And if Chesterfield do make a, a hash of it and end up getting relegated, they won't find it easy either to bounce back. And like you said, the teams that come up from the National League North over the last few seasons have made a really good fist of it. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. Um, it's not just the quality of the football as well. It's the size of the supporter base. And uh, we mentioned this anomaly a few times on the on the podcast haven't we the fact that uh, you get vast majority of National League North games have kind of got minimum you know it's minimum a, a, a thousand or so whereas in the south you've got lots of 500, 600, 700 you know so um, it's very very strong and for two sides to come out of that league and yet I appreciate they've had further investment um, but uh, for them to come out of that league and, and sit in two of the top three places in the National League uh, I think I think that alone just, just confirms what a strong league it is, Luke. We'll move on now to the National League South and, and Tom Lang is, is away at the minute but he's kindly sent us this report and here are his thoughts on the National League South. It's been a week of fascinating fixtures in the National League South uh, and the only real place to start is down at Plainmore where Torquay United, the division's form side, hosted Welling United. This was the first time that the top two in the league had gone head-to-head in the National League South since Woking and Billericay faced off in the now infamous Glen Tamplin Police Day. A 3-1 victory for the home team represented a really strong statement against what are a very good Welling team. It's really interesting that when Torquay first joined this division, uh, having been relegated last season, there were people advocating a lot of patience with Gary Hours. Um, he set up his side very defensively, uh, they were quite dour, um, and they just weren't troubling the scorers at all. It was a bit of a non-league Manchester United situation where you had one of the biggest, most well-resourced clubs in the league, but they were setting up really primarily not to lose as opposed to go out and dominate teams. Torquay board and the Torquay fans lost patient with ours, and uh, ever since Gary Johnson came in, it's really been a change of fortunes and a change of playing style. This new expansive and attacking style uh, he's brought in Saiku Jane on loan from Bristol City and he's partnered in with Jamie Reid with Rory Keating available as well has seen Torquay go from strength to strength Jamie Reid now sits top of the goal scorers table joint with the departed Jake Robinson on 13 goals but it's Saiku Jane who was front and centre today uh, scoring his 8th since joining at the end of September he's a player with real promise as well having scored 6 in 12 for Clevedon uh, on his last loan from Bristol City aged only 17 that 3-1 win kept Torquay top um, and their other main rivals in the top four, uh, Billericay Town and Woking, also both secured victories. For Billericay Town, it was a really important win. Um, there's been a lot of talk this week about the goings-on at Billericay. Big clear-out, Jake Robinson's gone to Maidstone, uh, Scott Doe's gone to Dover, Ricky Medesk and Adam Cunnington have both left. Dean Inman left last month. There's a lot of talk that the 
potential new owner David McCartney is looking to see the club slash running costs before he puts in a takeover bid. Now, the visit uh, away to Eastbourne, who are a solid mid-table side, would have looked a bit tricky after the week they've had. So it was really important to see them get that 2-0 win. And Ross Lafayette amongst the goals, he could prove to be a really good signing from Sutton United. And they'll hope that he can cover the loss of Jake Robinson. It's never good to see a lot of players going out of your club. And I fully appreciate that Billericay Town fans aren't going to be pleased to see the quality uh, that the club's hemorrhaged this week. However, the question does have to be asked whether that slashing of the wage bill from a room of £22,000 a week at Step 2 could only be a good thing for the club in the long term. The other side I mentioned there, Woking, they got a really important 4-2 victory away at Western Supermare to keep pace at the top. A Jamal Lowe's a hat-trick was the, the key talking point in that match. And for Western Supermare, does that really spend L spell the end of their mini revival they're bottom of the league they're five points adrift in the relegation zone but they had been looking pretty decent over the last five matches remains to be seen if they can pick up their confidence because that 4-2 reversal at home could do a lot of damage to them moving down the table Oxford City got one of the main results of the weekend for me a 4-0 victory at home to talk to Truro City who hadn't lost in their last five really unexpectedly Oxford have quietly risen to second in the form table over the last six matches behind only the goals 13 points in their last six matches what was also quite a nice touch was that they spread the goals around the whole team they lost Matthew Patterson earlier in the season after he'd been a really important player for them uh, with six goals in the first month and a half Um, so the fact that they're finding goals from the rest of the team and putting away results like 4-0 at home to Truro who've not been bad on the road this season uh, is really important for them other playoff contenders uh, faced off against each other with Concord Rangers visiting Bath City where they played out a one-all draw whilst Chelmsford City who a lot of people would have tipped to be in the promotion hunt slipped further from the top after a pretty surprising 2-0 loss to second bottom East Thurrock United only East Thurrock's fourth win of the season, last year's top scorer Sam Higgins was crucial to the result and the fact that he's now up to a five for the season and appears to be motoring will be a real bonus for the Essex side. East Thurrock have struggled while Sam Higgins hasn't been scoring, injured at the beginning of the season I believe, I know he missed a few games due to getting married, the fact that he's back amongst the goals will be a real boost to their fans. Keeping in the playoff zone, Hemel Hempstead moved into the last spot thanks to a Jordan Parks goal uh, to give him a 1-0 home victory over Dulwich Hamlet and Dulwich continued their odd debut season really um, I can't really decide if I think they're they're a safe mid-table team or if they are going to be threatened with relegation they seem to follow up really good results with you know slightly drab one goal losses what is nice for them though is that they aren't getting hammered generally when they lose it's 2-1 it's 1-0 so it only it's only going to take a slight improvement in fortunes and performances for them to look quite safe in mid-table completing a pretty miserable weekend for Western Supermare along with that loss to Woking and the East Thurrock victory their other rivals in the drop zone, Hungerford Town, got a really creditable 2-1 win at home to the impressive Chippenham. Elsewhere in the division, draws for St Albans City against Wheelston, Gloucester City against Hampton and Richmond, and Dartford against Slough ensured that the mid-table mire remained just that and was pretty static. And that was Tom Lang there. So Rob, yeah. what was the uh, standout result for you in the National League South over the weekend? Well, I think um, a couple of the teams down the bottom uh, sort of gave themselves a bit of a leg up, but uh, I, I think probably Oxford City's 4-0 win, that stood out for me. They're flying at the minute. They've won four of the last five now. They're up to 12th. They're just four points off of the, uh, the playoffs. So they're in really, really good form. And it does... You start to wonder if maybe it will be a straight race now between Torquay and Woking for the top. Um, 
They're both unbeaten in the last five, winning almost every game. And Billericay, whilst they did get a win yesterday, it's only their second in the last five. Obviously, they've uh, they've had changes on the pitch, off the pitch. Um, I was quite surprised to hear that uh, Cunnington had gone now, as well as Jake Robinson. And uh, by all accounts, um, you know the the the, the sale. Uh, from Glenn Tamplin is, is is likely to go through shortly, so it's going to be rocky times for Villaricky. Whether they can keep the form together on the pit and, and keep up with the hectic pace that Torquay and Woking are setting at the minute, I'm not too sure. Yeah, it's interesting news as well. I think Villaricky are planning on going full time, so that could be an influence as well in some of the players leaving the club. And Gary Johnson says his Torquay side are currently top of the division. Gary Johnson said that there's at least seven sides going for the title and. You only again. You only have to look at how tight the division is. I think Hemel Hempstead down about thirteenth last weekend. They won on Saturday and they're now bounced up into the playoffs. And you, you can't rule out more than like seven, maybe even more teams winning the title. Yeah, I mean, there's no real clear daylight. Obviously, I just said that I fancy those two teams to probably pull away a little bit. But even if you go down as as far as eleventh in the table, um, Chippenham, Chelmsford, tenth and eleventh, twenty nine points only 10 off there's half a season to go you know uh, slightly more than that actually um, in the um, in fact no there's only 22 teams isn't there in the National League South but uh, they're around about the halfway stage as well and uh, points wise you couldn't rule out those teams um, and then there's others with kind of four or five more points that, that you write off at your peril you know including Welling United obviously they lost yesterday Dartford who were up there last season Hemel and you know, Bath, we've mentioned what a good season they were having, certainly until recently. Um, and uh, one side that only got a draw yesterday, but uh, a right in the pack as well. Only five points off the top of the league. Concord Rangers, fair play for them. Yeah, having a really good season as well. Scarborough Athletic are the reformed club in Scarborough. They were formed in the, on the 25th of June 2007 after the previous club had been wound up, of course. It had football league tradition and also the conference or National League as it's known now and they played at the McCain Stadium David Thompson scored Scarborough Athletic's first ever league goal to Versal on the 11th of August 2007 up until last season they spent the first 10 seasons ground sharing at Bridlington Town before they finally moved into their new council owned Flamingoland Stadium back in their hometown the club are currently managed by former Geisley manager Steve Kitterick who is coming up to just under three years in the job currently. I caught up with Scarborough News sports editor Martin Dowie to tell us a bit more about the club's rise and their current season. So I'm here for the NL full-time podcast at Scarborough and step, our Step 3 feature team of the week and I'm with Martin Dowie from the Scarborough News. And Martin, Scarborough used to be up there fighting in the football league and obviously they had all the problems and they've had to fight their way back through the Northern Counties East League, haven't they? And eventually uh, they found their way home. Just tell us, it's kind of been a slow process yeah, for me, I mean, I started watching Scarborough in 1986 when my dad took me down as a seven-year-old and obviously they won the league that season, so it was a perfect start. I started covering uh, Scarborough, well, I followed them through, so they played Arsenal and they played uh, who else? Uh, Southampton, Chelsea a couple of times, beat, beat Chelsea. And then uh, I think it was my second season working covering Scarborough, I uh, covered them against Chelsea when... Uh, I think it was John Terry scored that winner at the uh, the old uh, McCain Stadium. So that, that was a fantastic day. Since then, I mean, 
what happened was maybe a touch of mismanagement and the rest I mean it happens with a lot of football clubs doesn't yeah. it Scarborough just eventually went into administration they win £2.2 million they folded because of that and uh, they ended up playing in the Northern Counties first division which was interesting having, <laughs> having watched them playing Chelsea and you know big games at Dagenham and Redbridge and things like that you, you end up uh, going to no disrespect of course but places like um, Yorkshire Amateur which was a bit of an eye opener for the fans and myself and the players obviously uh, so, but yeah, it's, I mean, it's great that they have come back up. Um, it, it's taken a bit of time, probably longer than they expect, because you, you look at teams like FC Halifax Town and Telford United, and they did it in a couple of seasons. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's taken a while for Scarborough, but they're there. You had to play at Bridlington in, in that time until last season when you eventually came back home, didn't you? Yeah, that's right. I mean, it was great at Brid to do that. Uh, Pete Smurthwaite's the chairman down there, lovely bloke is, uh, is Pete, and he's, uh, he welcomed Scarborough in for sort of a peppercorn rate, which helped the club massively. And obviously, help Brid as well because the, the fans put a lot of money behind the bar and etc 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 but yeah it's, it's great to be back home and it's great for the, the town it's, it's it's like it's reborn again I've got a 15 year old son that comes down all the time and he'd never been down to Bridlington so it's it's great it's, it's, it's brilliant to be back home and it's seven minutes from my house which is even better so <laughs> and plans now aren't there for the opposite end currently it's open but there's plans hoping to go through for a new stand isn't there yeah that's right yeah I mean it's just been passed um, I think it was Thursday uh, the council passed it uh, on the donkey field side it's very open at the moment there's trees and uh, some heather and things like that there but next season there's going to be a decent sized stand which means that Scarborough will be able to progress should they do it on the pitch through the leagues which uh, you know makes it even better I was going to say and will, will this stadium be in the National League North next year you've had a really good start the last three games though haven't quite gone to plan have they a bit of a, a wobble but you're doing really well this year and a lot of people's favourites to go up yeah that's it I mean there's some good sides in this league I mean you look at South Shields you, um, Hyde United obviously I mean Warren you know there is an established club and as far as the Celtic another established club at this level and um, Scarborough have got some they've got some good players and it's it's been a case of you're progressing to the next league you've, you've got off to hit the ground running can you can you maintain it and if Scarborough crack can then great you know they'll be back to where they were when they folded so it's you know back to back to the initial place so that'd be lovely but it's going to be a long hard season yeah and a chance to maybe play York next year isn't there a chance to get those Christmas games back oh yeah that'll be hell on <laughs> <laughs> I can remember going to York, yeah, covering Scarborough and going there as a fan. Uh, used, to, used to be very, very interesting. So, I mean, having York down here and uh, going across the Boobin Crescent was going to be fantastic. There was even rivalry in a press box. I can remember uh, Ivan Ash and Barry Parker falling out at one point. So, yeah, it'd be quite good. Brilliant. So, thanks a lot, Martin. Well, Rob, thanks very much for joining us again. Yeah, it's always a pleasure, Luke. Uh, have a good week out there and speak to you again, listeners, soon. And as you know, at the start of the season, we did make some pre-season predictions. And as we've reached the halfway stage of the season we'll take a look at that in next week's podcast and that is all for this week thank you for listening we are available on itunes also on audio boom as you know but now we are available on spotify as well so if you do have spotify and you're driving around or you're on the train or on public transport then do give us a listen and give us some feedback and let us know you can also tweet us at nl full time if you don't have twitter you can you might have Facebook and we're NL Full Time on there. And if you don't have social media at all, then you can email us nlfulltime at gmail.com. Thank you all for listening and we'll be back next week.